0: Welcome to the Canuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in.
1: Welcome to the Canuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and my favorite Potter, <laughs> Joe White. <laughs> Potter, like podcaster? No, not Potter. 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 Um little known fact out there is that Joe White is is very good pottery maker. Huh. In other words, he works well, with is, clay. It is fun. Joe, when did you become a pottery maker?
2: Shay, I do like pottery making. And it came off of reading a Bible verse one time in Isaiah sixty-four eight, where he says, You're our father, we're the clay. You're our potter and and each of us is the work of your hands. And so I've got one of those old pottery wheels and begin to take lumps of clay and making them into little cups and little plates and little bowls and flower pots and things like that, albeit, Shay, they're not great, just enough to make the message come true. But it's really a great connection with the Lord and how He takes the rough clay of each of our lives, and he puts his hands on our lives, and he makes them into something that he loves.
1: Joe White is the jack of all trades.
2: <laughs> Hardly.
1: I'd like to see you read the story about Noah and his ark. You could, start, you could become an ark builder as well. Give <laughs> get my hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, as you know, we are in the middle of our new series, Next Generation Leaders, which is what we're all about here in Kanakuk land. Uh, this series is taken from 1 Timothy 4.12, where it says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. And uh, in the podcast recording studio, we've got some great examples, and I'm excited for you to introduce them today, Coach. Shay.
2: two of our favorite people in all of K-Land is our executive director, and his executive director, <laughs> <laughs> true. Colin Sparks is the uh, the chief wagoneer of all of our directors, and man, does he do a great job! Everybody loves to follow Colin, and all of our how many directors and assistant directors do we have?
3: Too many, twenty-eight, somewhere in there, counting.
2: Report to Colin. He also directs K Country alongside his gorgeous, wonderful, talented deep, sweet, loving wife, Rachel. Uh, when when Colin is with Rachel, we all know he's playing above the rim. We say out here he kicked his coverage. She is a fabulous young lady. I believe they met at K-West several years ago, and Colin couldn't keep his eyes off of her. I do not blame him. Colin Sparks not only directs our camps, and he also directs K-Country, uh, but one of the cool things about Collins, when he was two, he drowned.
3: Yeah. And then A little trivia for you there. And <laughs> then they
2: brought him back to life again. <laughs> who was, and and who then brought back? you back?
3: Um, well, my mom and, wow. um, and the EMS. Yeah.
2: And then she brought him back to life again. And it seems like about two days later, He was playing a little plastic flute, and he fell and jammed it through the back of his throat, and he died again.
1: (laughs) Two trips to the ER,
2: forty-eight hours. Was it a
1: recorder? It was recorder. Hot cross buns. That's it, right there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But he's a great athlete and a great leader. He played uh, football in high school at a great school in Allen, Texas. And then he started a fraternity at TCU that still exists today. Shea's a born leader. He's always been a leader, and he is our leader. We love him a lot. Rachel, oh my goodness, what can I say about Rachel? Uh, Besides being a stellar mom, wonderful, wonderful children. She's a St. Louis girl who really still claims to be a Texan because she got a little college training there in the state of Texas. She married a Texan. But our, our spiritual gift, and we get to see it all the time around campus, hospitality and encouragement. Fine couple, Shay they are.
1: That is the truth. Colin, do you still have your recorder?
3: Uh, no, recorder's no, no longer around. Oh,
1: that's a shame. Uh, that would about, be a relic. A few scars in the back of the throat to to, <laughs> to show for it. Wow, that is a doozy. Colin, Rachel, we're excited to have you guys here today specifically we're going to talk about faith in a leader, and you know we've been walking through a handful of character qualities that are taken specifically from First Timothy four twelve, and then another handful that we've kind of sprinkled in that that we're passionate about. But specifically, why do you think Paul included faith in his brief list in First Timothy four twelve?
3: Yeah, he doesn't list many things, but he does uh, he does list faith. Because I, I think faith is crucial. He's he's telling Timothy as a young leader, hey, this is what's important. You know, he says even before that, be an example. These are the things you're an example in. And then he also says, teach these things. Teach other believers these things. And I think faith, as we know, faith is crucial because as believers, we walk by faith, not by sight. And we live in a world that... Um, Tells you we really live by the things we see and the way we feel, but Paul makes it very clear to go as a believer in Christ. You don't walk by the things you see and you don't walk by the things you feel because you'll be misguided. But you walk by faith um, and 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 not not
1: by sight. Define faith. I mean, that's obviously a massive word. It comes with massive theological implications but where do you where do we start just from a definition standpoint
3: yeah i mean we use i think we use faith a lot in the wrong context i think even the dictionary defines it as loyalty you know like i've lost faith in a leader or huh. i have faith that the chiefs are going to win the super bowl but that's not the biblical definition of faith i mean the the writer of hebrews gives a very clear i mean it's very clear this is what faith is and he says Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. You know, and as I read that and I I look at that, the two words that pop out are, you know, are assurance and conviction. That's the difference Mm -hmm. that, you know, a, a biblical faith is not just taking a leap into the dark, you know, not just playing the odds or I hope that it rains today or, you know, whatever it is. That's not faith. Faith is a conviction. It's a certainty. It's a sure confidence that God is going to do what God said he's going to do, Mm -hmm. stepping into the promise of God. And so as a believer, you know that he started it all. He created it all. He redeems it all. He's going to fulfill it all, and he'll sustain it all. And as a believer, our faith is in that, even though we don't see it and feel it. And and so I think Paul knew that and, and defi- you know, in the writer of Hebrews defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions, things not seen.
1: Rachel, you're one of our gifted Bible teachers. What's the theological implications of faith in Christianity?
0: Gosh, it's huge because exactly what Colin just talked about, too. Our world wants to base everything on feelings and what you see. And if you live your life like that, you're going to be what scripture talks about um, as someone who is tossed by the waves of this world, that you're tossed all over the place. On a good day, you're up. On a bad day, you're down. If you get a bad diagnosis, you're down. Um, But with faith and knowing the character of the God of who we believe in and ultimately place our faith in, then we don't have to waver and we don't have to question and we don't um, have to feel like we've Lost it all when the winds of the world blow against us, but our faith is is in someone's character, our God's character that um, doesn't change and doesn't move. There's a, there's a quote by Tim Keller. And he said, your faith isn't defined by the strength of your faith, but by the object of your faith. Big faith in a weak branch will still lead you to fall. So we have big faith in a big God that will mm-hmm. never let us down. And that's why it is so important theologically.
1: Joe, how does faith set us apart? How does it set Christianity apart from other religious traditions?
2: It's so fun, Shay, around here to disciple young men and to get to walk young men through a life of no faith into a life of faith. That's what we get to do. Recently, we've been working with these wonderful basketball teams that play at the here and getting to take these young men from their homes, from their neighborhoods, some of them from backgrounds with no faith, and to see them grasp what it's like to have their own faith and to live out their faith as basketball stars to the world for the world to see and oh my goodness Shea, faith is what puts faith is what makes the flowers bloom faith is what makes the sky beautiful faith is what puts sparkles in your eyes faith is what puts a smile on your face when you wake up in the morning faith is what builds great romances in marriage without faith it is impossible to please god and to have faith and to grow in faith literally is the root of every dream, every great dream that anyone has ever had.
1: Let's get practical. So coming back to the sparks over here, you, you know, we're, we're talking about being an example. And the way that Paul frames it up, he, he charges Timothy, show yourself an example. So how do you do that? How do you show yourself an example? Uh, An example of those who believe in regard to your faith.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think when you get practical to go, how do you do it? It's as simple as step out, step out in faith. (laughs) I mean, you know, Hebrews 11 gives us example after example of average dysfunctional people who were called by God, who were given a mission and given a calling. And they they just stepped out. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask questions. They didn't, you know, try to go, Okay, well, tell me what's going to happen when this happens and show me the map. They just said, I'll step out in faith. And I think so against our nature because we want the map Mm -hmm. and God doesn't want us to have the map because he wants the relationship. And if he gives you the map you're not gonna have the relationship, you're just gonna do things. Right. And he wants the relationship. And so he'll go, I'll reveal as you step in faith, the, the promise of God will unfold. And we see that, we see that with Abraham and Sarah, we see that with Noah, we see that with Moses, Enoch. I mean, we see these men and women who didn't have all the answers, but they had a calling and they stepped out in confidence. And I think that's true to us to us today to go, we don't have the map necessarily. We don't know why this tragedy happened or why this is going on in my marriage or, you know, whatever trial that we're in. But I'm going to step out in faith, knowing that God, that I'm a part of a story that's already written, that's already being written um, and step out in faith and in confidence. Not I'm really hoping, fingers crossed, that this works, but I'm confident in knowing that a God that we serve is who's writing the greater story. And being assured of that and, and confident in that.
0: There's an analogy I heard that goes with that too. Um I was told when I was in high school and when you're Um, trying to have more faith or even just seeking the Lord's will. I do think that it comes down to continuing to walk by faith. That's why the word talks about that. That is a word that you're in movement. And the analogy I heard was that um, God doesn't move parked cars. You can't have your emergency brake on. It's like a car at nighttime that so often when the headlights are on, you can only see to the edge of those headlights. But then as that car rolls forward and moves forward, do you get to see the next step and a little bit beyond as those lights illuminate? And as we get to step out in faith and walk by faith and keep moving, the Lord allows you to see a little bit and then we move and we learn and we grow and we see a little, a little bit more. We often, I think, want to have more faith. Everybody wants more faith, but you don't muscle your way to more faith. You keep your eyes on the object of your faith. And that's when your faith increases.
2: So we have such a privilege at camp to to breathe faith into our campers. So many of America's kids today, in fact, I would say that most America's kids today really don't have faith either in God or in themselves. And when you don't have faith in God, it's hard to have faith in yourself because we all end up failing when I put our faith in ourselves. But one of the things that we say to our kids over and over again is we say, you know, I believe in you. Hey, I I see I see somebody really, really great in you that's gonna matter in your lifetime. You're gonna make a difference in this world, buddy. I believe in you. One time there was this beleaguered young lady that I was talking to, and I said, I just want you to know I really believe in you. And she just starts shedding tears, and she says, You know, no one's ever said that to me before. And when that faith element begins to bloom in a young person, because they see in you the faith that you have in them and it transfers to them having faith in God working through them. That's when kids begin to come alive.
1: Hey listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canicuck.com. And now, back to the show. You know, Joe, the testing of faith is rarely a pleasant experience. You know, having to walk through what you've walked through in regard to your legs— What's the value of, of testing in their faith? Testify for us right now, uh. like wh- how you've <laughs> grown and and what you've gleaned from that experience.
2: Well, I'm real qualified being five foot one and a half now. <laughs> lost about a foot. <laughs> in fact, I lost two feet, but only one foot high. Anyway, um, yeah, see, I was reading in First Peter the other day where he, where he talks about that we become, you know, precious like gold even though tested by fire, and I read that gold takes 2,100 degrees of testing. Now, just for comparison, steel takes only 1,600 degrees for testing, so testing or tempering gold is even hotter fire than testing steel. And I'm sure that going through, you know, (laughs) excruciating pain, all of us out there listening that have gone through horrible physical or emotional pain understand what it's like to be tested. And so God disciplines every son that he loves, and he scourges everyone that he receives, Scripture says. And we shouldn't be surprised when God is testing our faith. But indeed, honestly, it's a great experience looking back, to go through these horrible, difficult, stressful, painful things that happen in our lives, because even in the most horrible pain that we go through emotionally and physically, when we look to the Lord and the pain that He went through on the cross, physical pain and being separated from His Father as He became sin, as we look to Him, And the testing of his faith, then we get a chance to see the future of walking stronger in Christ than we did before we had that horrible testing of our faith.
1: Rachel, if you're going to coach up a young leader who had a desire to grow in faith, how would you coach him up in that?
0: I think you've got to... Look at where your feet are planted and what your foundation is set on. And again, I mean, going back to just all the things that we've talked about, if your foundation is set on circumstances, if your foundation is set on your success, or for a young person, if Marriages in your future, any of those things, they all can be like shifting sands. And so you have to have your foundation on the word, on seeking after the Lord setting your eyes on Him as the object of your faith, and then knowing that hardships and trials are going to come. I love in James 1, where it talks about what what trials produce in your life. And in James 1, 3, it says, the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the end result of that is perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I think Um, Anybody that's leading, anybody that is on this journey would love to feel like you're perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And the Lord tells us that he does that through trials and and setting our eyes on him as we pursue him above all else.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just jump in there, Shay, as you know, as we work with young adults and kids and even in my own life, the natural tendency is we want comfort and growth to coexist Mm -hmm. And that's just not the way God wired it. And that's why you always see faith tied to trial and struggle, because he knows the testing of your faith produces perseverance, just as Rachel read out of James, because he knows that we need the perseverance and endurance to run the race. Right. Mm -hmm. I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I have kept the faith. Second Timothy and helping our college staff and our kids and even our own kids and our own, we even preached this to ourself, that, that to grow, we have to struggle and we have to do hard things. And when we do hard things, it produces an endurance and a perseverance and we walk in greater faith. Hmm. And I just think, you know, I heard somebody the other day said, you know, name the people that you admire their faith the most. And as I made a list, it was interesting to go back. It's really those five people are the folks that have struggled the most. Have had the most trials, and I don't think that's—I don't think that's a coincidence. I just think that's the way it is. Of people right. that are that are truly walking in faith have struggled, uh, struggled the most, and it's just we push back against it because we want to be comfortable, but we want to grow. And I just don't think God's rigged it that
1: way, right, Joe? How do you maintain joy when you're walking through trials? Shay, in the heart of every believer, there's a Navy SEAL. There is endurance and
2: strength beyond anything. That we've ever imagined and when you go through excruciating physical and emotional pain i think the seal's motto is super inspirational when you're laying on the floor and gripping the carpet day after day after day and crying out loud because that's all you can do is just scream out loud that you. Think about those guys on that beach qualifying for the toughest job in the world, and they say the only easy day was yesterday. And I kept saying that to myself over and over again. The only easy day was yesterday. There's more to reach down to because God is obviously uh, endless in the amount of strength and courage that He can give a person. I I just think it's just having an attitude that this too shall pass, and eventually that cloud of depression and that cloud of pain, that cloud of, of uh, suffering is going to pass over your head one day. It's not, a, it's not a thick cloud. It's a moving cloud. One day it's going to pass. Faith in that cloud moving is what gets you through, Shay, the most excruciating pain of our lives.
0: Because I think it's really important. That's so good, Joe. And it, you gotta remember that faith and how we look at trials is not focused just on today and what this world has to offer, the greatest thing that gives us faith, the greatest thing that gives us hope as believers in this world is that we have an eternal perspective, looking at trials and saying this too shall pass and looking at trials and um, and knowing that there could be a better day. Ultimately, we know that there will be the best day coming when we get to spend eternity with Him. And this world is tough and throws really hard things at us, but we're living for more than even just this world.
1: That's right. That goes back to the passage Colin pulled out in Hebrews 11:1, it's the assurance of things hoped for. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of of our faith is is there's always that that sunset that you're striving, you know, that we're striving towards. It's so encouraging. Colin, you have led an organization through two and a half years of tough sledding, you know, with the worldwide pandemic. We've got a lot of drama happening geopolitically around the world and, you know, within our country. Talk to us about the practical application of faith and leadership.
3: Yeah, I think it. you have to walk by faith if you're going to be a leader. Uh, you cannot lead by what you just see and feel. I think any leader knows that because what you see and feel will just misguide you. You know, all the writing on the wall the last two years was... Just give up. Don't do it. It's too risky. It's not worth it or, you know, whatever it might be. But we've watched God go, wait, God's called us to this on purpose and on mission to do this, to reach the world for Christ. And that he is greater than pandemics. He is greater than policies and he's greater than geopolitical, you know, conflict, whatever it is. But to go, you know what, we're going to stay focused and walk in faith. Do we know what's going to happen in two weeks? We don't. Do we know it's going to happen in six months? We don't. Um, but we're going to walk in faith. We're going to be confident in, in that. And I just think leaders, I think a lot, every leader walks in faith. They just may not put their faith in the right things. Right. But I think as a believer, you step out in confidence and in faith, again, with the assurance uh, of things hoped for and, and the conviction of things not seen, that God's writing a greater story, that we're going to step out in this and walk by faith.
1: You know, obviously, we believe that a leader who walks in faith sets themselves apart, right? There's a there are there are benefits and blessings that come with leadership that is undergirded with faith. How can you distinguish a leader who has faith from one who doesn't? I mean, I think this is just good for you know, as we're looking at the examples out there of what kind of leaders are in our life or what kind of leader we want to become. How how does faith set leaders apart.
0: Well, I think I would say Colin just mentioned that every leader has faith usually. Like if you're leading somebody somewhere, you're trying to get to a place and 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 you've got people behind you. But where are you leading them? And what is your faith in? I think would be the biggest question Mm. there, because even going through hard situations here at camp, we stand in confidence because we only want to lead people to Christ. This is His place. It's in His hands. It's His ministry. And we just want to shepherd that so well. So when we walk in faith, again, our eyes are on the object of our faith. They're on the Lord and His plans and his mission. We're on his mission. So when I'm looking at a leader, you want to look at what are they leading you into? What is their faith in? Because most of the people in this world are going to um, want to be followed and will lead you to something. Mm-hmm. But is that something empty or do they hold more And what they're leading you towards?
1: Colin, what are some of the the potholes we need to... Beware of. In other words, what are some of the idols or the false landing places that we put faith in that can draw us astray?
3: Yes, yeah. I think some of the potholes are clarity, not knowing what God has called you to do. Hmm. And if you don't aren't focused, you'll get off track because there'll be another opinion, another critic, something's gonna derail that faith. It's gonna rattle it. Mm-hmm. And so the pothole that i go is there has to be clarity in what god has called you to do it's like faith comes by hearing the word of god so when we're planted in the word of god knowing that god has us on mission and is leading us and is going to fulfill the promises that we talked about earlier he's going to do what he says he's going to do he's called us and put us in this place in this time in this space that we're not going to waver and i think where leaders get off track is when they come to Pressure or a feeling, or you know, those kind of things of of not of mission drift, if you will, and staying focused on what God has called them to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I want to just give a charge to Christian leaders out there. You know, a lot of leaders who are working for you know businesses and companies, their their company's goals to make money, and. And in many ways, their success is based on the bottom line, and and that's okay. That's what I, we think that Christian businessmen and business women should be the best out there, should be successful. But your goal as a leader is is way deeper when you're walking with the Lord. It's it's way deeper because your your passion is for your people and caring for them along the way. And so I think that. You know, when you wake up each morning, there's, there's, there needs to be a recalibration that my hope is not placed in our team's success or in the bottom line or in the markets, but my hope is in Christ. And I'm going to work to make, you know, to, to be successful and ultimately bring glory to God rather than bringing glory
0: to myself. And that, I think you're so right, Shade. That's a pothole is when you're trying to elevate yourself or bring glory to yourself. A great leader told me a long time ago that... To be a good leader, you should be able to elevate the people around you enough and to pour into them enough that if you stepped out at any point, things would keep running just as well as if you weren't there. So I think a, a great leader does. They they elevate the people around them rather than just being in it to to promote themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Joe, I'm going to pass it over to you for the final word.
2: Shay, I was just talking to one of our young basketball players the other day on this brilliant high school basketball team that God has brought to us this year, not just to train in basketball, but to get ready for college to walk in faith, to go play basketball in college, the NBA in faith, and be an example to their teams and to the world of what a faith-based player can be. And as we were developing these players the other night, they come to my house for Bible studies, and one of the young players who came from a background of non-faith Who's entered into this world of faith around Cannecuck asked that question: What makes Christianity different than the other world religions? And it was so fun, Shay, to watch the entire basketball team emotionally come around this kid and help this kid understand that all the different religions around the world are built on works. They're built on our ability to get to God. And Christianity, obviously, is the upside-down pyramid because it is built on God's desire to get to man. And so we live by faith uniquely from all the religions in the world who live by works. And I think that's why Jesus is spreading around this
1: world faster than any wildfire
2: that's ever been put on the face of this planet.
1: Joe, thank you for that encouragement, and thank you to Colin Rachel for your wisdom today. And we also want to thank our listening audience for sharing your time with us today. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to leadership and spiritual growth. And with that, we'd love to pray for you. Father, we come to you and we lift up our leaders out there. We pray, Jesus, that this podcast would truly be fuel in their tank and that it would encourage them in their faith. And we ask, God, that you would build our faith through each trial that you'd give us the capacity to be filled with joy and perspective as we walk through those trials. And we pray, God, that we would be a good example to those who are watching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit CanacukPodcast.com. And for more information about Cannicook, you can visit cannicook.com.